Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 58. We're covering the 2019 AT&T Pebble Beach National Pro-Am on the PGA Tour and the ISPS Handa Vic Open on the European Tour. There's a mouthful. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System, and, and with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams. Good evening, Paul. How are you? Good evening, Steve. I'm very well, actually. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Steve, Far better won than... at the weekend. Can't moan at that. Luton won their sort of 88th game and consecutive game. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad, is it? No. It's all, it's all getting a bit monotonous now, watching and listening to Luton each weekend. Probably with Luton, yeah. <laughs> To uh, to to all of our listeners that are in Australia and United States and Canada, none of this means absolutely nothing to them. <laughs> anyway, we'll crack on. Uh, golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. We're available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. There's hundreds of people joining that at the moment, aren't there? Mm. In the build-up to yeah. the Masters poll. Yeah. Uh, the not... link the link to that Facebook group is available in the description box. What are we coming up to? Is it four and a half thousand in there? I think it's just gone over four and a half thousand. Yeah, it's, it's always a busy time at the start of the year, but, um, but yeah, it's, there's a lot of people joining in um, as of yeah, as you say the last week or so. Uh, so yeah, if you fancy a bit of golf chat on Facebook, then pop over to the group, join join up and um, join in with the. Uh, many and varied threads that get posted on there each and every day. Absolutely. Um, there's actually plenty of golf knowledge on there, which is mm. better than, more than you can say than Paul and myself. So um, get yourself over to that. Also, um, if you, yeah, uh, yeah with on, some man. of the, um, uh, with the kind of the lesser, the secondary and tertiary tours and the, uh, the, the women's golf and the seniors golf, there's a lot of people on there with uh, some good insights and knowledge on those tours as well. So uh, if you, if you like a full range of, um, info and uh, bets on all of your golf then uh, there's some, some good resources to tap into on there on twitter you can get me at bamford golf and you can get paul at golf betting look out for the golf betting system youtube channel where i present the golf betting show every week i will be recording those shows tomorrow morning over here in the united kingdom this podcast is available on i is on podbean it's on iTunes, it's on Spotify, and a myriad of different pod channels. You can also listen via our Golf Betting System YouTube channel. I know that hundreds of people are listening to this podcast via YouTube, so uh, that's all good, and you're all very, very welcome. Naturally, subscribe and follow the podcast. Please take time to rate and review us on iTunes, and naturally, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. Speaking of which, we had another one last week. Uh, the title is Superb, Five Stars. The boys do a great job at breaking down the facts and stats. Listen from New York City and look forward to the podcast every week. Keep up the good work, guys. That's from Jinxy. Jinxy one over in New York City. Jinxy, I'm actually coming to New York in March. So uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll bump into e- bump into each other at the top of the Empire State Building or something. No idea. <laughs> Very good. Always nice to get feedback and always nice to get positive comments like that as well. So thank you. Absolutely. Jinxie. Thank you. As Paul says, thank you, Jinxy. Right. I think we'll start with the AT and T Pebble Beach National Prime, if you don't mind, Paul. Yeah, go for it. Um, it's a reasonable field. I mean, this this again is one of the weaker fields on the West Coast, used to, you know traditionally. But when you've got the li- li- uh, the likes of Dustin Johnson and Jason Day, who we know are kind of tournament regulars anyway, but then you've mm. got the likes of Fleetwood, Phil Mickelson, Tony Finau, Matt Kuchar, Jordan Spieth. Paul Casey, we've got Patrick Reed, Patrick Cantlay, Adam Scott, Brandon Grace, Matt Fitzpatrick's playing this week as well. Rafa Cabrillo, Bell, Adam Hadwin, it's a good and Shane Lowry, who clearly played some great golf in uh, in the uh, Desert Swing on the European yep. Tour. It's a good field. Mm. I, I don't think there's been a weak field on the PGA Tour so far this season. So no, no, it, all, it all seems to have stepped up a, a notch, you know, in terms of general. Um, attendee list. I'm not sure if that translates to a higher OWGR ranking. I'll have to have a little look, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if there are more points 
being banded about for these uh, these events nowadays. They do feel 20, strong, don't they? It does feel strong. 2019 US Open course as well, isn't it, this year, mm. Pebble Beach? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the likes of Fleetwood and Fitzpatrick, uh, you would have thought they're coming over Paul Casey just to give the place a good recce, mm. uh, which is sensible. And, you yeah. know, with fit, someone like Fitzpatrick who on a lot of PGA Tour golf courses is likely to get out-bombed, this kind of fiddly uh, coastal set of courses, because there's three this week, actually plays to his strengths. So, you know, yeah, that's yeah. decent scheduling mm. by Matt and his team. That's what yeah. I like to see. Yeah, le- levels the playing field for players like him, yeah. for sure. Absolutely. I tell you what, I've, I've forgotten to talk about last week, haven't I? Which is a bit dark. What is there to say about Saudi Arabia, Paul? <laughs> Apart from the fact that Sergio Garcia is some kind of mentalist and yeah. Dustin Johnson absolutely walked it. <laughs> What's yeah, what is there anything else to say, really? It's always the danger when you get some of the top players uh, coming over to the European Tour and you, you try and find a reason to oppose them. And, you know, it's two weeks on the trot for you, isn't it? Yeah, and just justification. DJ. Yeah, and the justification can be just, a, you know, it's pretty tenuous always if you're trying to discount a player like DJ. But uh, um, I think I'll put in my preview, you know, any one of those guys steps up and, and plays well, they win the tournament. And clearly it was DJ's turn. I mean, there were some good performances underneath that and some eye catches. Uh, Tom Lewis, again, um, really caught the eye. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets over the line again and again quite quickly uh, this year. Um, interesting to see how Tom Lee bounced back well after that uh, infamous penalty that he received the previous week. And uh, he pushed DJ for long periods of the tournament as well. So well done to him. There's a few other players that caught the eye. Minwoo Lee, uh, we know that he's an emerging talent, but he's uh, he's going to be a player to watch, isn't he? Victor Perez, who I mentioned last week in the pod, he played well. And one of my old favourites, Alex Levy, he, uh, yeah, he finished five. fifth, didn't he? Yeah. So yeah. again, you know, on a, on a decent track for him over the next few weeks, if we can find one that marries up nicely, then uh, I think he's, uh, he stands a decent chance. Yost well, Loughton was my... God. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Loughton, yeah, he was... Yeah, Luton, he was my, he was my best. Loughton. Yeah, Loughton, he was, my, he was my best. And uh, he finished sixth, which is no good when you go top five, is it? So uh, Bookend, yeah. mate. Another bookend job, yeah. Great, great start, great finish. Not so great in the middle. Yeah, yeah, just a bit indifferent in the middle, but he's he's percolating. He's playing some decent enough golf, and again on on a right track with uh, without perhaps a, a headline set of attendees like there were last week. Perhaps he'll uh, perhaps he'll get over the line again over the next uh, few months as well. You Bradley. you insti- you intimated this last week with mm. um, Matt Wallace that Wallace is the kind who stat you can't be stat led by him. Yep. Is Hao Tong Lee exactly the same? Because if you look at his greens and regulation numbers, they're pretty dire, aren't they? But he's just putting yeah. the lights out and scrambling yeah. just unbelievably well. Yeah, he's and, a good of course, guess what? President's Cup year. So now he's sitting in third spot when it comes to landing himself a President's Cup space. Yeah. I was impressed with how he how he performed and how he re- responded to, uh, to the previous week. You know, some players could have... You know, throwing all the toys out of pram and been uh, been really down about it, but um, clearly he's a bit uh, a bit better than that. He's above that, and um, he yeah he performed well. But yeah, he's he's a good player, isn't he? he? These players who can seemingly get very lofty finishes or wins without uh, you know without knocking every stat off the charts is uh, a sign of a good player. I think you'd assume that him, Fitzpatrick, and Wallace. Will be playing a lot of PGA Tour mm. golf later on this year. Yeah, because yeah. they can clearly qualify or go to wherever they want on their based on their top fifty in the world ranking. Yeah, this is it. Once they've uh, once they've broken through as they have, then uh, the world's their oyster, isn't it? So uh, yeah, expect to see them your side. And you know, I don't I don't think they're going to be overawed with some of the tracks that they 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 come and play on. You know, particularly Wallace on some of the uh, some of the tracks that will suit his game. You know, he's a decent decent driver of the ball and he can putt really well. And you know, you talked about Lee. Um, you know, ones games that fit the likes of uh, Fitzpatrick as well. And uh, you know, you, you you find tracks and events that, uh, that that play to his strengths as well. So yeah, 
worth keeping an eye on. And th- th- those kind of guys will generally be overpriced compared to the uh, the more regular PGA Tour players when they turn up. I'm sure so. Could be a little bit of value in there. As per Alex Noren last year, you know Noren was t- tending to be overpriced, and uh, he, he played some decent stuff over over stateside, didn't he? Yeah, he's made a decent impact, hasn't he, over mm. the states? Uh, yeah, Thomas Thomas Peters played some great golf, didn't he? Uh, back in sixteen when he made his debut, but then he had the he had a real rich heritage of playing some super golf when he was um when he went to university in Chicago. Yep. So yep. he had that to fall back on. Um if the, you know, if these guys are good enough and they pick the right tournaments and the right tracks, a little mm. bit like Francesco Molinari last year if you remember. Yep. People are saying, "Why is Frankie playing the Greenbrier Classic? Why is Frankie playing the John Deere Classic?" Well, cuz mm. they're actually courses that suit him. Yeah, and he can go and win them. Yeah, that's why. Gets his you know, game in tip-top condition. Play, if you go and play, I don't know, just randomly picking some tournaments. If you're going to play at Quail Hollow against a, a major quality field most years, or you've got to do your work. I mean, you've got to if you want to be serious in the states as a European tour player coming across. You can't just tag on a WGC at the end, uh, you know, after a major and all. This, if you want to take this seriously. Mm. You know, as people say about Rory, oh, you're not playing the Europe, but he's realised he has to be a PGA Tour player. He has to play PGA Tour tournaments week in, week out to get because these 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 tournaments are just so hot, aren't they? The pace, the quality, is so deep. Mm. It's difficult to be an international kind of golfer these days where you can kind of take in. I read. I tell you what, I did read about Sergio, by the way. Mm. Got his DQ, didn't he? How many how yeah, many greens was it? He, how many greens? He six, I think it was. Yeah, I've seen some footage of him in the uh, in the bunker that's been doing the rounds, where he uh, took his uh, took his anger anger out on the sand. But uh, I've not got seen... his app fee though, mate. Got his nine hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, obviously something's bothering him, isn't it? It's, you know, it's, there's him. There's Thomas Peters again, who's made a decent start last week and uh, and, and drifted away. And there's a few of these guys that um, you know when. When it, the pressure gets on and when things aren't going quite right, their their attitude isn't uh, isn't the best, is it? Mm. No, not with Sergio. That's for certain. There's no. clearly some frustrations there. Mm. Um, I suppose from an appearance fee perspective, those private jets they don't run themselves, do they? <laughs> especially especially when you've got one lock, stock and barrel owned by yourself. I'm, so I'm sure uh, I'm, I'm sure the boys at the top of the market last week weren't uh, weren't struggling for. For no. a few quid at the end of the week when everything's been added up, I'm sure. Phoenix was a superb story. I know I had Justin Thomas. I actually think, and people will shoot me down and flames and talk a load of it. I actually think if Ricky hadn't been a factor in that tournament, I think Thomas would have won that. Mm. But on the basis he played with him Saturday and Sunday, on a the basis there, so did you see Thomas when he actually won it? Were you watching it? You could right see he was, well in, he was welling up. Yeah, there were yeah. actual tears in the guy's eye, and admit, I just thought, Jate, those two there, you know, Ricky Fowler and JT, they're two class boys, mate. Two class, class boys, I think. Yeah, it means a lot to them, doesn't it? You know, it's been a while for Ricky to get over the line as well. And two years. You know, again, watching yesterday, it looked like it was going to be the same old story again, didn't it? You know, you can say some of it was bad luck, but um, you know, to put himself in a position to be blowing that kind of lead again, um, you know. Yeah. It, it, I, for me, you know, from about the eleventh onwards, I expected him to, uh, to to go backwards. But fair play to him; he he pulled his uh, pulled himself together, didn't he? Made his birdies coming home. And uh... how how many times have you seen a Jordan Spieth or a Justin Thomas win a major, and there's Ricky waiting there to shake their mm. hands and pat him on the back? It was just, I think, it was nice from JT to actually say, "It's your turn, mate." I know it's yep. not a major, but you've done, you know, and he played. Brilliant golf, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, fifty-four holes. There was no one, no one close to him. In terms of trends, you know, we talk about this, and we were talking about last week. First tee to green, winning it for was it three years consecutively? Yeah. Bubba Watson was first for strokes gained tee to green last week, and Hideki Matsuyama, who I was on, was second. It was just that both played like absolute drains. Yeah, yeah. But just for future reference, with um, the likes of the uh, the Riviera tournament coming up next week, and Bubba defending. 
Um, he's clearly playing some superb golf. We were discussing it off air, weren't we? Yeah, about yeah. Bubba, he, he, his defense, his defending record is not great. It's not. There's but one it does, course that yeah. brings the best out of him. It's Riviera, isn't it? Is is that sort, isn't he? Bubba likes the tracks that he likes, and uh, yeah. yeah, in terms of defending, it hasn't been good. But um, that's uh, you know, that's that's the kind of trend that can be broken. I'm I'm more inclined to think that he goes well at Riviera because it's Riviera as opposed to. I suppose that doesn't because he's defending at Riviera. Loaded next see. week, isn't it? Dustin mm. Johnson. Uh, you got Rory, Tiger Woods. You got JT playing. Yeah, it's just, just you just reel them off. It's yeah. uh, it's an absolutely brilliant tournament next week. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, w- I was cheesed off as ever because uh, things didn't go well from a betting perspective. But actually sitting there watching it. I thought to myself, well, if JT isn't going to win and he's going to keep leaving putts in the jaws and all this, it was good to see Ricky win. 22 to 1, 20 to 1 generally. It was 22s with bet 365. Yep. Um, I know quite a lot of people want him because, as you know, we all know that Ricky and TPC Scottsdale go together oh, like a hand. Yeah, in his, his course form there is great, isn't it? But uh, it's always just a little off putting looking at that price and, uh, and Ricky when you consider how many positions he's been in and knock over the line. But. Uh, Mm. We said it before, you know, these things can change a player's outlook. They can, you know, you, you can generate that bit of confidence or a mindset that gets you over the line repeatedly afterwards. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how he progresses from here. We know how talented he is. He just hasn't got as many wins to his name as he should have by now in his career. But uh, perhaps that will change. He said to Sky Sports afterwards, he said, you know, at the end of the day, if I hadn't won this, I'd get up in the morning, I'd be happy, I, that's the way I live. You know, mm. I look forward to getting up every morning, I've got a great life. Yeah, And, you know, I don't win as much as I probably should do, but, that, you know, things are going to change. So, hopefully they do. Mm. I can, you can guarantee he's going to be 16 to 20 to 1 for every major now across well, 2019. I suppose quite rightly, really. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of... You know, what was it last year or the year before he placed in each of the majors, didn't he? So you, you can't discount his chances of these majors. And yeah, again, perhaps it'll change. Perhaps it'll change this year. We shall see. Kucha still playing well. Um, of course, Brandon Grace put on a great performance with his new caddy, Craig Connolly. Mm. That was that was worth watching. But again, you know, Benny Ann was competitive and then he fell back didn't he but there is a definite link as well between the European tour guys that do well in the desert and they go out to Phoenix and you know they can yeah. replicate that so yeah. there you know there's, there's, there's food for thought there right let's go back to the at and I jumped uh, I jumped through it but um, yeah I like this tournament I've had a winner here in the past for me it's a bit of a putting contest hmm. um, I'll start at the top in terms of the weather this week and it's not really what you would kind of expect in California. Uh, conditions for the 2019 renewal of the AT&T Pebble Beach look very Northern European in their nature. Get this, Paul. Temperatures reaching a maximum of 11 to 12 degrees Celsius across all four days. Maximum? <laughs> that's maximum. It's going to be nasty, isn't it? That is Moderate dry. winds in play across Friday and Saturday. Now this is likely to change, of course. We're you know we're recording this on Monday, blah blah blah. But it looks like Friday afternoon is going to be I don't know 15, ten to fifteen, maybe t- gusting twenty, and then on the f- on the um, Saturday it's going to be gusting over twenty miles an hour. Mm. So that'll take the scores down a little bit. Um, and then uh, Thursday and Sunday look quite um, quite relatively tranquil. But the thing that really grabs me is it, it rained, and I was keeping my eye on it across the weekend. Saturday and Sunday, plenty of rain on the golf course. Mm. Yeah, It looks like it's raining there now. It looks like it's going to rain all during the day on Monday. So I'm expecting a very soft set of golf courses. Yep. So actually on Thursday, even though it's going to be cold, and it's, the courses will play relatively long, it's going to be a bit of a, um, it's going to be a, bit of a dartboard type. Yeah, it does, does, di- does change the dynamic a bit, doesn't it? Because they're, they're not long courses, but they will play long because of the temperature. They will play long because of, uh, of the softness of the fairways. Um, but yeah, it's not going to be an atypical uh, Pebble Beach test, is it? Interesting to see how it goes. Three golf courses. Pebble Beach, of course, which is hosting the 2019 US Open back in, in June. 
Um, that that hosts thirty six holes. The other uh, the other thirty six are hosted across Spyglass Hill and Monterey Peninsula. Monterey Peninsula is the one you can really get at. Mm. Um, they're all both relatively short, um, sub seven thousand yards. Um, but you know they're the kind of courses that feature. Well, Monterey's got quite big greens actually, seven thousand square feet. Spyglass at five thousand feet uh, square feet and. Pebble, as we know, the the smallest greens on the PGA Tour every year, three thousand five hundred square mm. feet. Yeah, it's funny. What it does throw up, though, is because it's a classical golf course. Um, it tends to be, it's difficult to to pigeonhole, but especially when you have got the winners like Ted Potter Junior at five hundred to one last mm. year. But if you look at the if you look at the raw basic, um, old style uh, stats here and take the averages from 2010 through 2018. Greens in regulation, 6th. Putting average, 7th. They were the average scores across the field of the champions here, 2010 through 2018. If you take that from a strokes game perspective, it goes a little bit a little bit weird um, because different winners have done different things well. And I suppose that kind of suggests where we're at with the tournament. I mean... When Spieth won here in 17, strokes gained putting, he was fourth. Strokes gained approach, he was 12th. But strokes gained tee to green, he was only 22nd. Uh, and then Vaughan Taylor in 2016, lo and behold, strokes gained tee to green, he was first. Strokes gained putting, 52nd. So it's one of those, really. you yeah. basically got to get the ball in the hole. Um, and I'll put this in the... Ri- Paul and my betting previews, the uh, predictor models and all of the information we talk about will be available in the description box for this podcast. So bear that in mind, listeners. Potter Jr. won this last year at 500 to 1. Always makes me chuckle. Vaughan Taylor won this at 300 to 1 in 2016. And then around that, you've got some real class players. Spieth at 9 to 1 in 2017. Schnedeker, I was on him at 25s. Jimmy Walker was at 28s in 2014. Schnedeker again in 2013 at 14 to 1. And Phil Lefty Mickelson, 25 to 1 in 2012. So it's that kind. What you tend to get here is you tend to get um, a high class elite player having a head to head battle with someone that you've barely heard of. Yeah. yeah. And in the case of Potter Jr. and Vaughan Taylor, and we can go back way beyond that to other head uh, battles. I think there was uh, Steve Lowry beat VJ Singh, who was world number one at the time. Mm. Sometimes the uh, the small guy wins this, and then other times the short price elite player wins it. So what do you do? Do you, do you go for a strategy of finding three hundred of thirty three hundred to one shots and go like that, or do you? Have, that's not my style, so I'm just going to keep it. There's a few key stats that I like around here. I, I genuinely, genuinely like very strong putters. Mm. And I also like guys that have actually shown, in a way, I want putters that have actually shown some greens in regulation numbers coming into the tournament. Yeah. That's how I snag Schnedeker. You're going to have to hit enough greens, aren't you, to, uh, to make the score around there, because the greens are, particularly at Pebble, as you say, they're so small. You just can't be chipping and putting because you're going to be doing that for par every time, aren't you? Top of the market, it's another one of these scenarios where Dustin Johnson could turn up, walk it, six to one, everyone's happy. Um, He's won it twice. His record here is just absolutely amazing. He clearly won last week, but he's had to travel halfway around the world from Saudi Arabia. Mm. Um. He's only played in America once so far this year, and that was at Kapalua. So he hasn't played a great deal of golf. He spent a lot of time in the Maldives, but that clearly didn't put him off <laughs> winning golf tournaments. Um, but yeah, six to one, six to one. So, you know, what do you do? Jason Day's another. We know that Jason Day's playing some reasonable golf right now. He plays well at Torrey Pines. The links between Torrey Pines down in um, La Jolla. And here are you know multiple on the basis that they share their Poana greens. Uh, they're both coastal. Um, so Jason Day at 10 to 1, that's another price that will tempt a few, I'm sure. When I look at Jason Day around here, year after year, he just seems to struggle to hit enough greens to actually get right, to to get to the number you need to get at to win here. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he puts one in I mean, his he? short game is, you know, him and Speed, their short games are, are fantastic. 
And actually, you look at Dustin Johnson, you look at Jason Day, you look at Jordan Spieth, and look at the courses where there's a lot of course crossover where those guys have contended in major championships together. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the likes of Whistling Straits. Um, Jason Day is just a PGA Championship golf course. And, you know, you, those PGA Championship kind of golfers tend to do well here. Mm. So, you know, I can't put anyone off backing them, but I'm not going to touch them at five to one and ten to one respectively. Uh, we then come to Tommy Fleetwood, who I think at twenty to one, uh, he's never played the golf course. There is a there is a thing here, even across Ted Potter and all of these weird and wacky winners, they've all had a top twenty one finish going back to two thousand and five. I think Matt Goggle, Gogol, they've all finished previously in the top 21 here at yeah. a tournament i mean it's it's um it's not exactly the most tangible of links but it, it's what it actually says to me is that backing tommy fleetwood on his course debut at 20 to 1 probably isn't the right strategy well no if, if, if that, that also suggests that no debutants have won have they so um it's it, it, i think you need to get your head around the different course setups and the it's different courses isn't it it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a very tricky it's a tricky setup really yeah. To get your head round when you're turning yeah. up on a Tuesday, yeah. To be to be hitting the ground running on three separate courses on three consecutive days, um, and then win against a, a world class field. That's, you got it. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a stretch, isn't it? I I think the big question this week that a lot of punters will be staring at their phones and laptops trying to get their heads around is is to speeth or not to speeth. That is the question. Mm. He's putting to get well again now, isn't he? This is this is where he's pulled his game back round a bit, and you can see that from some of the putting stats I looked at earlier today. He's uh, he's trending in the right direction, and uh, for a long time he was really poor, wasn't he? With what is his key strength, but he's uh, he's pulled that round somewhat. Do you think Spieth finds the putter and then the rest of the game comes, or do you think? I mean, I was looking at this just uh, just the way he's played over the years, or do you think he's the kind of guy? A Brit like an Adam Scott or a Brandon Grace, where the tee to green game comes and then the putter fires. I think the putter drives the confidence in his game for me. When he's putting well, it takes the pressure off everything else and uh, his game can start to flow. And he's, he, we've, we've seen him, haven't we? We've seen him at his best when he's making putts from 20, 25, 30 feet, as if, you know, it, it, you, you see him standing over a 20 footer and you expect him to make it. Because he's that good, and uh, to have lost that for a period of time is just uh, dumbfounding. For you know, I'm sure for him, but also for people you know observing golf, it was just just odd to see. And it was self inflicted. I'm toying with Jordan. I'll release my tips in the morning. But the thing that is a real downside with him is he he has not played great golf on approach for a long, long time. Mm. I mean, we're going back. The last time he actually hit a really good chunk of greens was at the Northern Trust in August last year. And this year, he finished 112 for greens in regulation at the Sony Open pipe clean, you know, pipe cleaner open season. Yep. And he was 96, 96th for greens in regulation out of 140 at Torrey Pines. So yeah, he could fire. It's it's a it's a difficult one to assess. I know a lot of people are going to be backing him this week, quite rightly maybe. I mean, there's a little bit of twenty eights out there at the moment, and that is a good price on Jordan Spieth. Mm. But, but where like Ricky Fowler last week, when you when you look back at Ricky and you look at his numbers, like I did this morning, Ricky was hitting some greens in regulation. Ricky was doing the things that you needed to do. He was seventh for total driving at Torrey Pines the week before he went to Phoenix. Total driving, we were talking about it last week. So yeah. even though his season-long total driving number was poor, he'd had a great week with the driver at Torrey Pines amidst a load of rubbish. Yeah. So he gets to the, his favourite course and he thinks, you know what, I'm driving the ball really well here. I feel comfortable and, and it flows. Yeah. Now with Jordan... The, the, the strength, the, the idea here that you need to be in the top 10 for greens in regulation to win the tournament, that isn't happening with Jordan at the moment. His approach play is by, is not consistent enough and he's racking up doubles and trebles. Yeah. Now, we know that we can cut those. Pl top players cut them out quickly. But, for you know, it's, it, 
I don't know. The putter is firing, and, and I, I said at the top that this is a putter's test. So I think potentially on a soft golf course, yeah, so there's going to be more leeway for inaccuracy off the tee. Yeah. And bearing in mind that Spieth ranks second in my in the field in my rolling five-year number for soft golf courses. Jason Day tops it. Jordan Spieth is second. Dustin Johnson is third. Believe it or not, Charlie Hoffman is a very close fourth. So I don't know mm. if that says anything for, for someone that's looking at price. Yeah. And Mickelson is fifth. I've got to get my head around, and you know how I operate. That's the problem. T- uh, tipping someone up who's struggling with their greens and regulation numbers, I often struggle doing that, but I can see the value in speed, and I could see him having a very big week. Well, I guess if you said there's going to be some wind about as well, if the wind generally causes everyone's greens and regulation stats to be dipping below where you'd expect them to be, yeah. then that can potentially bring someone like speed in because... He may, if he maintains where he is and everyone else is dipping backwards, um, then it could come down to how he performs on the greens. And if you know if the putter's doing what it has been doing increasingly of late, then uh, then he could be the one. This, played firm, one this played firm and fast last year, and only Ted Potter, who was ninth, and Phil Mickelson, who was top five, I think he was second, wasn't he, or third? Mm. Only those two were in the top thirty-one for greens in regulation last year. The year before that, the golf course was soft. And I don't know if you remember, the Thursday was really blowy. They had to pull them off. And then it, it kind of, then it just became a real target goal. Yeah. Kelly Craft topped it. He finished second. He was at 80 and 80.56 GIR. Jordan Spieth won. He was third for greens in regulation. And then we were down to the likes of DJ 13th, Ram 22nd, Woodland and Brant Schnedeker 24th. That to me suggests that you might be able to get away with um, not hitting greens on the way in. Yep. So I'm toying with Jordan. I'm toying with Phil. I'm toying with Matt Kuchar, who's playing some outstanding golf. Jimmy Walker, he reminds me of Walker, you know, because Walker, he won late on in 2013, his first ever PGA Tour title. He then won the Sony Open in 2014. Uh, so he won two titles in like three months. He then missed the cut at Torrey Pines. And then he came here and won in really horrible, blustery conditions at 14 under to win his third title in about six PGA Tour appearances. Yeah. That reminds me very much of Kuchar. And if this is going to get a windy, cold test, you just know that Kuchar, who clearly finished second to Spieth at the Open Championship at Birkdale, was another top tenor at the Open last year. These are the kind of players I think are going to come to the top, aren't they? Yeah, proper Lynx golfers, yeah, who can deal with these cold, horrible conditions and could just grind out some birdies and scramble their way around. Yeah, certainly, certainly Kuchar's game is uh, is, is hardy in that respect, isn't he? Decent in the wind, very good in the wind. Very good in the wind. And if he won at 25 to 1, would anyone be shocked? That no. seems to be that that seems to be the number where a lot of these better players actually win at. Schnedeker won at twenty five to one. Jimmy Walker was twenty eight to one. Mm. Phil Mickelson in twenty twelve was twenty five to one. Dustin Johnson in twenty ten twenty two to one. So don't know. I've got some thinking to do. I have tipped two, or I've, I've backed two already. Um, we could go on, couldn't we? I mean. There's so many in this field you could say, oh, they've got a good chance. You Especially build a case for a lot, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you a couple of players that I have seen at big prices where there's been a little spark. Sang Moon Bay? Yeah. He was top five or six at halfway at Torrey Pines last time out. Mm-hmm. Loves Poana Greens. He's starting to show something, you know, Sang Moon Bay. Yeah, yeah. Again, whether he quite fits with the uh, conditions they're likely to expect this week, um, debatable, but... Um, but yeah, he's potentially got some decent finishes in him over the next few months, I think. Hmm. He was one that kind of jumped out at me. I'm also seeing... Do you remember the guy that finished second at um, Torrey Pines? Is it Talor Gooch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
125 to 1. Yeah, he had a two consecutive decent uh, finishes, didn't he? Third and sixth or second and sixth or something like that. I won't take your thunder on a player that I know you're keen on. But yeah, he 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 um he registered with me. Mm. Holmes is hitting a lot of greens at the moment. But anyway, the first one that I backed today at eighty to one was Kevin Kisner. And if you think the kind of sort you want around here, it's a bit of a you want a an older guy, an older player that's got plenty of experience of the course and a bit nuggety, yeah. In yeah. my opinion. There's something about Kisner, isn't there? He's a two-time PGA Tour winner. And he's competitive at major championships. Lo and behold, who finished second last year at the Open Championship? Mm. Kevin Kisner. And I noticed at the end of last week at Scottsdale, I mean, 69th at Wileye, 57th at PGA West. He finished 26th last week at Scottsdale. He was at... uh, he, He actually hit some decent greens and regulation numbers. For, he was 15th in GIR across the whole field. And we know with Kisner, he's a he's a natural-born putter, yeah? Yeah, yeah, lovely short game. One at Sea Island, 2015. Uh, one at Colonial in 2017. And there's a whole list of, like, good major and WGC outings. 2015 US Open, he was 12th. Seventh at the PGA Championship at Quail Hollow. Second at last year's Open Championship at Carnoustie. One of the rounds there absolutely jammed down with rain, very windy. He actually ranks in my analysis, and this genuinely shocked me. He ranks joint fourth in my analysis when it comes to PGA Tour coastal results over the past five years. He's only sitting behind Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson and Jason Day, and he's 80 to 1. And, a bit of a bonus in my mind, 39th, 64th and 10th here in 2017. So he's had six of goes at this. He's got a top 10. Yep. That was his last time in 2017. And he won the 2013 Callaway Pebble Beach Invitational here, which is one of these tournaments they play in the autumn. That they It's a mixture of low PGA Tour ranked players. There's, uh, L, L, there's ladies that play. There's web.com players. Loads of qual- quality college players he won it in 2013 you think mm. yeah okay Steve listen to this to put that in perspective 2011 uh, 2011 AT&T winner so the PGA Tour winner here DA points and 2014 winner Jimmy Walker both featured at the Callaway Invitational prior to winning this as have recent each way places James Hahn he's finished third in this Nick Watney who's finished second Jonas Blixt, who's finished third, and Kelly Craft, who finished second in 2017. Even Ches Reavy, who finished runner-up here last year, had got a top 11 finish at that Callaway Invitational event. Mm-hmm. It like makes that. sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes a level of sense. There's 80 to 1 out there with seven places so far. By the way, bookmakers, I've got two rants, Paul, before we move on. Firstly, <laughs> European Tour. How you cannot list the statistics of Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka in one of your tournaments <laughs> is unbelievable. Are these are these the are these the British government officials that are doing the negotiating for Brexit, <laughs> the European Tour? They will not budge if that player isn't a, um, a European Tour a fully fledged member. They will not budge. They will not. Unbelievable, list them. mate. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, and the other thing is, what's happening with these markets, Paul? There's hardly any markets up, and we're, we're recording this at six o'clock on a Monday yes. for the PGA Tour. It's getting later and later. I know there's a few of them that started to pop up while we've been on air, but, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's getting uh, getting later and later. Right. The other one I've backed, uh, and there's a bit of 40 to one about him, is Brandon Grace. He was 20th here last year. And the number I like, uh, and I mentioned this um, last year, actually, when I tipped him up for the um, the Byron Nelson that they played on an inland, inland Lynx golf course in Dallas. Mm-hmm. He shot eight under here across his 36 holes at Pebble Beach at this tournament last year, which was fourth best in the field. 
but he struggled on the on the other two courses. Now he's a year on. He's got a year's experience, and I thought he was outstanding last week. Yeah, could have won, couldn't he? Listen to this as well. If you were going to try and find the winner here, looking at Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson shared best courses ain't a bad way to look at that, is it? I mean, after all, you've got three wins between the two of them and a further nine top ten finishes. Yeah. So I had a look where Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson have both played well. Right, okay. Kapalua, that's fairly obvious, but both they, they, they've won that 2013, 2016, 2018. But from a majors venue perspective, you look at the, where they both played well together. Well, Chambers Bay in 2015, we know that Dustin Johnson should have won it, but didn't win it and gave it to Jordan Spieth on the final green. Yeah. Another coastal course, although I know it's an inland links golf course, it's on one of the Great Lakes, but even so, it's a it's a coastal web golf course, is um, Whistling Straits. DJ, another final hole calamity when he was leading going down the last in 2010 and then he grounded his grounded yeah, his club right. in yeah we all know that one he finished fifth in that and seventh in 2015 at whistling straits naturally jordan spieth finished runner up in that 2015 pga championship to none other than jason day another guy that goes brilliantly around here mm. so you can start to see this stuff johnson's only major to date came at oakmont in 2016 and naturally, Spieth won the 2017 Open Championship at Royal Birkdale after coming very close to winning the Claret Jug at St Andrews in 2015. Now, we go back to 2015. Zach Johnson, he's never done anything since. Um, he beat Leishman and Usti in a playoff. But Jason Day and Jordan Spieth were both a single shot off that playoff. And guess what? Dustin Johnson was actually leading after 36 holes at St Andrews that year. Mm. And then I come to Brandon Grace. It's pretty mad, this. It's pretty, pretty mad. The 2012 Dunhill Lynx Championship winner at St Andrews, at the St Andrews-hosted Pro-Am, Grace also has a strong has strong links to Johnson and Spieth across his limited United States outings. 2015 saw Grace finish fourth at the Chambers Bay-hosted US Open, and lo and behold, he finished third at Whistling Straits the same year. Uncanny. Furthermore, 2016 saw Brandon finish fifth on the Poana Greens at Oakmont. And 2017 saw him shoot a major championship record low of 9 under 62 on Saturday at Royal Birkdale before finishing sixth for his third top six major finish by the coast. Mm. That's pretty... The way that that tallies up is pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah, there's lots of correlation there. And you also combine that with the fact that clearly he's in decent nick. And Grace, for me, is that second week kind of player. So if he's yeah. produced a performance like that last week, um, you know, with everything else that's going for him this week. Then I do know. listen to what you tell me, Paul, and I try not to ignore it. And you've always told me, Brandon <laughs> Grace, T to green. When he starts to hit fairways and greens, you've got to give it a, little, a week or two. And then all of a sudden, the putter catches fire. Yeah. And... He's one that can pull together just in consecutive weeks or consecutive appearances a fantastic top end performance. Mm. I've just got to be on him. I think I think yep. forty to one's a very very fair price. That's probably going to be gone in the morning. If I need to take thirty fives or thirty threes, I'm more than willing to take that. Yeah, he's got a good chance. I think got a very good chance. Playing some beautiful stuff, Grace. Mm. Also, 2015 and 2016 Qatar Masters champion. And we all know that that tournament has some very positive links connotations, yeah? Yeah. 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 Guess who finished second there in 2012? Jason Day. He's a PGA Tour winner. He won at Arbor Golf Town Links in 2016, so he's won in the States. Um, And he's just playing some awesome golf. And, again... Uh, inter- it's uh, clearly trying to get into the international team, which you expect he will do. But he's still sitting outside the actual top ten of the qualifying as of finishing second last yesterday. So he's still got to keep pressing. I just think Grace got a great chance this week, I've, and him having Craig Connolly as a as a um, caddy, I think that's a great move as well. He's so yes. experienced, isn't he, Connolly? Yeah, yeah. Kaima, Westwood, seen it, played every golf course. Imagine what I thought. Yeah. Can only be a positive, I think. Yeah, definitely. 
So those are the two I've backed. So um, that's where I'm at in terms of the uh, AT&T Pebble Beach. Mm. Right, now you've got a very fascinating um, tournament this week, the Vic Open. Tell, tell listeners about the Vic Open, Paul. Because it's yes. new on the is it new on the European tour or it is yeah yeah it's, when you, when you look through these uh, European tour schedule at the start of the year and you see these new names for events crop up it's always uh, it fills you with a bit of dread really as to what you're going to expect it is it is a bit different um so I'll go through the details in a second but it's the first of our uh, two week uh, trip down under so we've got the Vic Open this week and we've got the World Super Six in uh, in Perth next week. Um, before we head back, um, actually, yeah, straight into WGC after that, isn't it? We're going to Mexico the week after, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, before we get there, we've got um, a couple of weeks in Australia, um, and it's going to this uh, golf club, Thirteenth Beach Golf Club. It's called in Victoria, and it's hosting a unique format with both men and women's events running side by side at the same time on the same course. Um, and they're competing for equal prize money. So um, when I first heard about this, there wasn't a great deal of detail, so it was a bit difficult to try and uh, understand how it was all going to tie together. But it does tie together quite nicely. Um, in total, you've got 315 players here, men and women. How so many? You've got 315, yeah. So it's going to be quite busy. Um, and naturally, they're never going to get that done over one course. So they've got two courses in play. Both of them on the same resort here at 13th Beach. They've got the beach course and the creek course, which are very close to each other. Um, the beach course is links in style. The creek, co- the creek course is more uh, more of a sand belt course, uh, pine trees and the, the creek running through it. So there's some subtle differences. Um, now what happens is half the players play the beach course on day one. The other half play the creek course um, before the weekend and then it's just over to the host beach course. But you've got men and women playing on the same course at the same time in alternating groups. So you'll have a, a group of men, they'll play off the men's tees, you'll have a group of women who are the next uh, group and they'll play off the women's tees. So they'll have two separate leaderboards, um, two separate uh, titles effectively, but they're both competing for the Vic Open trophy and they're both competing for exactly the same uh, prize money for you know the whole way down the list from winner down to uh, down to the last paying place. So it's kind of one of these uh, messages for equality, which is uh, you know to be applauded, I think, and uh, it should be very interesting to see how it's uh, see how, how it all ties together. Hmm. Um, complex. Yeah, I think it's it probably sounds more complex than it is. I think in reality it would be quite straightforward. I mean, the two tracks, um, both of them for the men are sub seven thousand yard par seventy twos. Uh, the beach course is six, just under six thousand eight hundred yards. The creek is just under seven thousand. For the women, um, the beach is six thousand four hundred seventy nine, so just under six five, and the creek is six five seven three, playing as a par seventy three. For the uh, for the women, so some subtle differences there, um, but yeah, clearly they're playing off uh, forward tees for the women. But other than that, they're playing exactly the same track. Um, as per normal, top sixty-five and ties will make the weekend. But there is a further cut on Saturday night into Sunday, and only the top thirty-five and ties will play the final day of both the men and the women. So whereas we've got um, what would look like ordinarily a full field playing on the Saturday, so you'll have 160 players or thereabouts, I respect, combined men and women. And um, when you get to Sunday, they'll make this second cut, and then there'll just be the top 35 men and, and well, top 35 and ties men, top 35 and ties women playing the final day, just to make it a little less hectic, I expect. Mm-hmm. Um, as I say, they're both, uh, both short. Uh, Tony Cashmere designs. Nick Faldo was involved in the Creek course. Cashmere, um, Cashmore rather. Um, he designed both of the other courses himself. Um, the beach is very linksy. It's built on proper links land. Um, it's modern, so I guess again the purists won't call it a, a links course, but it's near as damn it. Um, the Creek is a little bit wider. I suspect the Creek course is likely to play the easier of the two. Um, but we shall see. They've both got bent power greens, large greens. Um, and with the beach course, you've got the typical linksy type of features, pop bunkers, fescue, 
the, the typical Lynx type of uh, setup that you'd expect. Uh, this actual this event's actually been running since '57, so it's been going around a while. It's only been in this mixed format since 2012, and if you're looking at course history stats, only since 2013 has it been played at the 13th club here. So on the site this week, the stats just to make it a little simpler because it is quite complex in its entirety. It's only data from 2013 onwards that was listed just to kind of make it a little bit more simplistic. Uh, winning scores here from the guys that have played. And bear in mind, it's been an Australasian tour event, so the players will be a notch down from what you'd expect the European tour players to be, or a combination of the two, as we've got this week. Winning scores have been between 7 under and 16 under, so clearly, as you'd expect with a coastal and a linksy track, it is going to be weather dependent, and uh, you know if it's a calm four days then it's going to be pretty scoreable if it's windy then you're going to see some scores in the in the you know, mid 70s high 70s from some of the players i think mm. uh, just looking through the data we've got and we haven't got um skill stats for this historically there was nothing captured from the old australasian tour event so we are kind of in the dark a little bit with that um, but generally, it looks like you need a patient game. Bogey avoidance tends to have been something that's been key with the players who have done well here. Um, par four scoring's been strong, and it hasn't generally been a birdie fest. Um, even though you look at the two tracks and you think, well, you know, sub 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 seven thousand yard courses, they're going to be there for the taking. But generally, around about twenty birdies has been good enough for the winner to get uh, over the line. 20 birdies, minimise your bogeys and get a winning score of, as I say, kind of low to mid-teens generally, unless it really blows and then it's uh, you're down to single figures. Um, interestingly, the forecast this week is for a relatively good Thursday. It's going to get up to around about 80 Fahrenheit, something like that. Maybe maybe a odd thunderstorm, but generally sunny, relatively calm, um, 10 mile an hour winds. And then for the rest of the week, it's going to drop by about 10 degrees or so. So it's going to be kind of high 60s, maybe 68, 70 degrees. And, but then with 15 to 20 mile an hour sustained winds, so the gusts on this coastal track are going to be quite severe, I think. Right. Um, and I think you are going to need to be a decent um, a decent wind player, a decent short game here to, uh, to be able to uh, contend for the title. Loads of bunkers, loads of um, loads of waste areas, and um, I think sand is going to be, or how players play from the sand is going to be key here. And um, I guess again, you're looking at a better field compared to what we've seen in the past with the um, the players that have, uh, that have that have done well and played well here. So it's uh, it's going to be yeah, you've got more than half the field for the men are making their debut on the course so you know there's, there's only so much you can read into it if you look at the past winners here four of the previous six or four of the six that, had, that won on this track had previously produced a top 15 finish on this track so there seems to be some positive course correlation but then as I say you know half of your field haven't played it because they haven't been involved in the uh, event full stop so difficult one to, uh, to try and assess that way um Looking at the market, Jason Scrivener heads the field twelve to one. Generally, he's a little bit of fourteens around. Ryan Fox sixteen to one. Lucas Herbert eighteen to one. Uh, Justin Harding we talked about last week um, in the pod, and he showed some decent form again last week. Twenty eight to one. Yeah. Um, he's yeah, playing well. That guy, isn't he? Harding is. Yeah, yeah. He's got yeah. some decent, decent form of late, and then. What kind That's of places? What what kind of tracks has he done well at in uh, South Africa on the uh, on their tour? There's a mix, really. There's nothing that would really stand out that you'd correlate across. You know that, that I'd look at and instantly suggest that it's a uh, you know a, a massively correlating course. It just feels to me like Harding's one of those players who seems to have stepped up his game of late, and um, you know perhaps you could almost look at his historical stats and um, you know. Not disregard him, but um, you know, assume that he's going to outperform a lot of those finishes that he's that he's had over the uh, had over the years. I mean, you also right. likes so of Scott Hend playing this week. Scott, I backed Hend it uh, in in Dubai, didn't I? And then he did yeah. well last week. Actually, he would have produced an each way place last week after I dropped him. Um, Ollie Wilson's playing. He played one at the back end of last year. Jorge Campillo. Uh, Aaron Rye, uh, Adrian Atagi, Paul Dunn. So 
outside of those players I talked about at the top of the market, there's players further down the list who, you know, you probably suggest that are better, um, you know, more experienced or with better career results, um, who are longer prices. It's an interesting market. I, as as you said earlier, your your preview is going live in the morning. Um, I'm I won't be ready till kind of mid morning either. Um, wading through a lot of the data and the thought processes that there are for this, but um. I, just looking at uh, my shortlist at the moment, Justin Harding that we've said um, recently, 28 to 1, but it has been shown lots of bits and pieces of form recently, so it's difficult to difficult to ignore Harding, I must say. Um, Ollie Wilson opened at 100 to 1 very, very briefly with um, Paddy Power and Betfair earlier, um, and that was chopped straight down to 33s. Um, he settled around about 40 to 1 best price at the moment but he finished he had a couple of consecutive um, top 5 finishes at the back end of last year former Dunhill Lynx winner um, you know again there's some correlation there I think Adrian Otegi's playing well last week after 3 missed cuts you know you missed up, missed up, missed cut and then 24th last week hit a lot of greens as well and if you look at Otegi he's one of these players who's done well in these kind of non-typical Events. He won the Paul Laurie match play. Won the Belgian knockout last year. Right. Um, you know, maybe there's something with him when you know there's a bit of interest. There's there's something that's out out of the norm. It's kind of uh, kind of wetting his whistle a little bit, maybe. Um, but then he, back in the last year, finished third in Turkey, fourth in uh, fourth at the Earth Course. So we know that Tagi's got some decent quality about him as well. Jake McLeod caught my eye when the New South Wales Open in November, third in the Aussie Open. He led the Aussie PGA after day one as well, so he's showed some decent form. Open was 65 last week in Saudi. Um, he should have won this in 2017, actually. He was he was going very well, shot 61 in round two and then finished off with a 75 in the final round to uh, to finish second. Um, but... Uh, He's available at 40 to 1. I, I must say, McLeod was one of the ones that caught my eye even before the prices came up, and I was hoping for a little bit more. But um, perhaps that's What's his me. history? Because I noticed he was playing outstanding golf last week. Yeah, gen yeah generally, an, an Aussie tour player who's just uh, seems to, again, has stepped up his game. He did, I think it was his first win uh, in New South Wales. That was in November, and then I'd say a couple of prominent performances in the in the big uh, the big Aussie events. The Aussie Open, he finished third, and um, he was the first round leader at the Aussie PGA. So, right, um, it just seems to have stepped up his game, and it, it hasn't been overawed when he's come and played um, over on the European Tour either. And so, you know, he showed some form last week, sixty five to open in Saudi. So there's something uh, there's something with Jake, I think. Uh, ben Eccles another one caught the eye um, again some decent form at the back end of last year but he's got some decent form in this particular event as well he's got three top five finishes from his last four attempts at this and he's a decent win player Ben Eccles always one that, that when he does pop up on uh, one of the events that I'm covering is worth looking at there's a bit of wind around as well then you've got the likes of Paul Dunn I mean, Dunn's 70 to 1 at the moment and Dunn hasn't shown much form his driving's been awful but you know Again, looking at this, the quality of this field, um, Paul Dunn, a good Paul Dunn, could take this could take this field apart. Mm. If it is going to be windy and lots of players are missing fairways and missing greens, that could play right to his strengths. Um, similar to Mark, similar Marcus Fraser is another one with a decent short game, um, and he's one that tends to switch his form on when he um, when he hits the Australian shores as well. Uh, Eighty to one for. For Fraser, so there's a few that are kind of percolating around the top of my top of my shortlist, which um, I need to narrow it down quite a bit because I can't go anywhere near all of those that I've just named. And um, oh. some longer shots as well. Uh, Nick Flanagan, I don't know if you remember the name Nick Flanagan. He's um, I do. Not, yeah, he's an Aussie. He, he, he did get his uh, PGA Tour card at one point. He he's, uh, he won four times on the web.com actually, uh, earned his full card. Um, He's still relatively young. I think he's 33, 34, I think he is. Um, mm. But a lot of this form came about 10 years or so ago. He, he got a top 10 at Mike Hober, I think it was, something like that. Um, but then he's had some horrible injuries, thumb injury, back injury, lost all of his playing privileges. Um, so he's had to pretty much start again. Um, but then he played some decent golf on the Australasian Tour last year. 
Um, he got uh, something like seven top 25 finishes there or thereabouts from uh, from nine starts. So five top 25 finishes from nine starts. I've got it in my notes here. Um, sixth at the Australian PGA in December as well. Second to halfway here last year. Um, and so his long game looked really good in his last start. First for total driving, first for ball striking, second for all round. 250 to one in places for Flanagan. And so... Um, wow. Whilst it's been a while since he's really hit the uh, hit the heights, uh, you know, he's the kind of player that could uh, could come back, um, you know, with some decent form. And that sixth place finish at the Aussie PGA, I don't think that can be, you know, can't be ignored. Uh, Stephen Jeff Jeffress is another one. Um, he's beat a lot of this field when he won the Fiji International in 2014. Um, he's only finished what, outside the top 26 once in his last seven starts. He's playing some decent golf. He's 150 to one as well. Jeffress, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, finished sixth here in 2014, fifth last year, and that was with an opening round of 75 as well. Um, 66, 66 in the middle two rounds to put him right in the mix, and then just couldn't quite get over the line. Um, and then there's one final one who's caught my eye, and I don't know how I'm going to play him. His name is Andre Laute, L-A-U-T-E-E. -E. I probably crucified his surname there. He's currently a 1,000 to 1. He's an amateur. And real unknown quality, uh, quantity. Um, played two professional events. He missed the cut here in 2017. He was eighth in the Victorian PGA at the back end of last year, where he opened with a 78. And then he shot 65, 63, 69. Nobody got close to that for the final three rounds. He finished eighth overall, and he just his second start um, against the professionals. Clearly, he's just still, a, uh, still an amateur. He's a, uh, he's a Victoria lad. He um, he's attached to Kingston Heath, so in terms of sandbelt courses, oh, golf, yeah, yeah absolutely, mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, only a young lad, nineteen years old. I, a thousand to one is um, probably su suggestive of his ch chances of actually winning the event. But um, when the top twenty and top ten markets come through, I think there might be something in that for uh, for a little punt to see if he can uh, can go well. But. Um, Stranger things have happened. Yeah, Paddy Power aren't shy with him, are they? Two fifties, and he's up to a thousand with others. Mm. Yeah, there's mm. uh, there's uh, there's a bit of disparity across a few players, I must say. But uh, sure, there are. He, uh, yeah, he he did catch my eye. And he's right at the very bottom of the market, or thereabouts. So, um, but yeah, if there's some decent top twenty prices on uh, on Andre, I will be very interested if we've got something to put up by the morning. But yeah, lots to wade through. So that's my shortlist of about twelve. So I need to get uh, need to get that uh, chopped down to something manageable by uh, by mid morning tomorrow. I think. Have you managed to clock um, who's playing in the one next week? The one we're more aware with the. That's another strange format, isn't it? Yeah, the Super Six. Is, that, is, that, is there a few decent players flying down for that, or I've, I've similar not, to this? I've not looked. It it tends to be. A lot Happy of the same. Often goes. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, it tends to be a lot of the same players who attend these uh, Australia events year in year out. So you got you know the likes of Brett Rumford who'll always be the uh, the local favourite, being a Perth uh, a Perth man, as you say. Happy Byrack won. Uh, uh, he's won it in the past, hasn't he? Um, mm. Let's have a look. Tom Lewis is playing. Paul Dunn. Uh, Young and Wang. Yeah, it's pretty sparse by the looks of it. Tom Lewis say. will be a nine to one shot. Well, yeah, the way he's been playing, he will be. Well, I think he, just looking at the list I'm seeing here, I think he will be the favourite because there's not a massive amount below that. I must say. Hmm. So yes, another one for us to wade through next week. Next week. Um, yeah. Although I had, I had a decent bit of success with that over the years. So uh, you've had the winner. Indeed, yeah, yeah, and um, I put up uh, run for this first round leader last year on uh, on our Facebook group before the event, and he, he obliged with that as well. So there's been there've been some nice little returns with um, with the Super Six, but yeah, one to get our teeth into next week if I can uh, if I can decipher where I'm going to play or how I'm going to play this one. I think people say to us about shortlist before before I close the uh, show. Um, there's one, there's a couple of players at kind of mid prices that are interesting for me. Andrew Putnam's one. You mm. know that that um, tournament we were talking about, the Callaway. He's got yeah, three yeah. top eight finishes in that Andrew Putnam. 
Yeah, you've been on him quite recently as well, haven't you, Putnam? Yeah, Putnam. It's just 80-1. to 1. There's not a lot of juice in that, is there? You know what I mean? If he was like 150-1, to 1, yeah? Mm. Especially when you've got so many quality players going to be taking up those each-way places. Yeah. It becomes a bit of a turn-off for these mid, mid-price mid players. Jimmy Doug Walker Gim's going your... well, isn't he? Doug Gim at the moment. The other yeah. one I tell... You were going to mention him as well. You didn't, did you? No, I said your, uh, Jim, your Jimmy price? Walker. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Walker. Walker caught, Jimmy Walker caught my eye. Sixty-six in the third round last week. Yeah, um, it was a step in the right direction for Jimmy. We know about his record on the West Coast mm. and Pebble Beach. Generally, um, he's yeah. got. Uh, he's got. Uh, I, I think for one hundred and twenty-five to one shot, I think that's probably worth a worth a quid just to see. Well, how Walker, he, he fits the mould, doesn't he? Experience played there a lot. Clearly, a previous mm. winner. One that doesn't kind of fit that mould, but he's playing some exceptional golf this season, is our friend Talol Gooch. Yeah. And and to find a guy that finished second at the um, Desert Classic, then finished second at Torrey Pines, and he's 110 to 100 to 1 generally. Mm. I'm even seeing 125 to 1 with Unibet. We keep yeah. talking about Unibet, don't we, Paul? That they are so outlandish on so many of their prices. It's unbelievable. They're take, taking, the, taking their own view, which is good. There's a lot of copy yeah. and pasting going on with some of the other yes. bookies, but um, but they but do. They're one twenty-five to one on Gooch, where you know most mostly he's one hundred to one. Yeah. Well worth a look. That's worth a look. And so are Unibet, yes. Undoubtedly, at the moment they've they've got some really good prices going on. Right, okay. Paul, I appreciate your time this evening. I know yeah. we're both going to have very early starts in the morning. Indeed. Pleasure as always. Enjoy your evening. Shall do. Thank you for listening. And uh, we will be back again next week for another fun-packed edition of the Golf Betting System podcast. Thanks for listening. And we will uh, see you again soon. Goodbye. <laughs>